All right, with Hashem's help, we're learning Soita Daf Tezayin. We previously left off at the end of Daf Tezvav Amid Beis on top of Daf Tezayin with the Gemara bringing two braises. Right, the Pasuk says that the Koyen needs to take earth, Asher Yihiyah, Bekarka HaMishkan, that is on the ground of the Mishkan. And as we explained when we learned that Sugya, that the words Asher Yihiyah are not needed. He should take earth from the ground. So Asheriya adds, it amplifies more scenarios from where earth will be acceptable. But there were two braises. The braises, number one, on Daftes Vavamud based the way we learned the braises, telling you that even if there's no accessible earth under that marble plate, you don't go digging with a shovel or with a spade. Really, we pointed out that Rambam Paskins, you're not allowed to do that in the place of the temple. So you take earth from outside the temple area. But the way we learned the first b'raisa, but you have to then put it on the ground. And then take it from the ground and put it in the cup. The second b'raisa doesn't even hold. You have to put it on the ground. The words Asher Yiyah teach us that you can take earth from anywhere, period. And Bekarka HaMishkan is coming to include either according to Isi Ben Yehuda that the procedure of a Saita could be done even when you're not in the Mishkan, even in the Holy Temple, or according to Isi Ben Menachem, it's coming to teach you that he cannot bring earth from his house. That's the only thing the words Bekarka is excluding. Now, the way we will learn the sugya, based on these two braises, now we have the following question. Five lines from the top. Who asks the Gemara, if there is no earth, for whatever reason, question is, can you use ashes? Explains the Gemara, according to the opinion of Beishamai, there is no question. The Amri they hold, Beishamai holds, that we never accept ashes to be considered like earth. Where does Beishamai and now Beisilo speak about whether ashes are halachically like earth or not? So Rashi brings out right to the right, Pluk to the Beishamai Beisilo is taught in Mesechtas Chulin regarding the mitzvah of covering the blood of a bird, regarding the mitzvah of covering the blood of a non-domesticated animal, right after we shech the animal, there's a mitzvah to be mechased adam and there there's a machloikis, according to Beisilil, you can also use ashes, according to Beisilil, you don't only have to use earth, and where does Beisilil take that opinion, because in Parshas Chukas, we find interestingly, Pasha's Chukas is speaking about the ashes of the red hayfair. Deer, just speaking out the words of the Pasik. It says, And really, the Torah should have written in Pasha's Chukas that you take for the Tomei may afer from the ashes. But the Torah says, from the offer. So the Torah interchanges the word offer in the place of afer. So Basilil holds that afer and offer halachically are of the same substance, they're considered the same, and therefore you can fulfill the mitzvah of covering the blood with ashes. According to Basilil, you can cover it with other items as well. We'll see later with the earthenware, a crushed er, 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 earthenware utensils with crushed bricks. Amazing. Beshamai holds no. Beishamai holds, let's read the Rashi inside. But Beishamai, that Eifer Sreita, you're right. 
in Parshas Chukas, when the Torah uses the words Ma'afar Sreifas, if after the word offer you have the word Sreifas, only there can the word offer also include ashes. But where the Torah just uses the word offer, as the Torah uses in the Parsha of a Saita, right, that they take offer, Beishamay holds, that's not going to allow us to include ashes. So back inside the Gemara. According to Beishamay, no question, ashes cannot be used. Kiti who is our Ibaya according to, according to the way we paskin, according to the opinion of Basilil. The Amri Basilil holds that Motsinu Eifer Shekari Afar, as we just read the Rashi, and now the question is, Mai. Now even according to Basilil, the Gemara is still going to clarify what will be the logic behind either side of this question. And really it's not a logical question. The way we will learn the Gemara will be, the question is, is the first b'raisa the Iker, or is the second b'raisa the main b'raisa? Afagav, the Ikri Afar, even though according to Basilel, the word Afar could include Afer. Afer is called Afar. However, maybe, since the Torah says the words Bekar Kahamishkan, and more than that, let's go according to the first b'raisa, the way we learned it, you have to take the ashes, or whatever you are taking, you have to actually put it on the Karka HaMishkan. Now, if it becomes sanctified simply by entering the environment of, that's the way we'll learn it, so then Enachanami, ashes also becomes, becomes sanctified. Everything becomes holier when it enters the area of the Holy Temple. But the fact that the Torah demands for it to be put on the ground, it makes more sense that whatever you are putting on the ground should be like the ground earth to earth, and therefore not ashes, or perhaps maybe the main words Bekarka HaMishkan, is as we learned in the second, but I saw Hai Bekarka HaMishkan is either like Lechite Isi Ben Yehuda, to include the base Eilamim, or Uchite Isi Ben Menachem, to exclude earth from your own box, from your own house, but you do not have to put it on the ground. And what will sanctify the earth? Simply bringing it into the environment of the holy temple. Logic says that since according to Basilo, ashes and earth, aphid and offered, are halachically interchanged, so what difference will there be? If the environment can make earth holy, it can make the ashes holy or functional for this procedure. So the question is, which b'raisa is the main b'raisa? Toshima. So here we attempt to give the following answer. This is a gewaldic piece of Gemara. To Amar Rabbi Echanan, in the name of Rabbi Shmuel. Let's remember this. Bishloisha, Mekoimah, there are three times throughout the entire Torah in which we find Halacha. Halacha means Halacha Lamoisha Misinai, that our oral tradition, Oikeves, it undermines, it uproots Mikra, the literal reading of the Pasuk. Very common is that when Hashem speaks about a mitzvah without the oral Torah, we will never know what Hashem means. But when Hashem interprets, when Hashem gave the interpretation to Moshe Rabbeinu, who subsequently passed it down all the way to us, now that we hear the interpretation, so Hashem says, don't do melacha on Shabbos. What is melacha? Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, the 39 melachas, etc. So now that we have this interpretation, the interpretation is not undermining the written word. The written word, it says, vague. But there are three times that the written word is clear. God says A, and the halacha uproots it. It undermines it. And what are the three times? And here, Rabbi Yechonan Mishum Rabbi Shmuel gives the three examples. Number one, Hatoira said, Be'afar. 
Ba'afra means like we just learned about the mitzvah of Kisui Dam. Hashem says to cover the blood of a bird and of a non-domesticated animal. Be'afar. It's very clear. Afar means earth. It means dust from the earth. However, it comes along the halacha. And halacha, like Basila learns, that you can use anything. Anything, like Rashi points out, anything in which plants could grow. That's the anything. But that includes many things. Like Rashi gives an example. If you crush bricks, which originated from the earth, then you can plant something in it and it's going to grow. So the Titus says you have to cover it by offer. So here the halacha is not defining more. The opposite. According to the written word, if I were to cover the blood with something other than earth, I didn't do the mitzvah. The halacha lomeshem is seen. I says, no, this is what Hashem meant. That's example number one. Example number two, bitar. We just had this in Masechtas Nazir. What is a Nazir not allowed to pass over his head? The Torah says, which means, if, according to the written word, if he cuts his hair with scissors, if he plucks his hair out with the tweezers, he shouldn't get flogged. He didn't do it with the razor. Nevertheless, halacha is bechol dover. Right? We learned that a lot. Clearly, by the Nazar, he's not allowed to cut off the hair with anything. Third example is, third case is, I'll tell you Sefer, and this is in reference to a get. And as we will learn in Mirza Hashem and next daf, whenever Hashem says the word basefer or sefer, it means parchment in exclusion of everything else. So Hashem says that a get has to be written sefer, sefer krisus. Nevertheless, even on a leaf, after the leaf was plucked off the tree, then you can write a get on a leaf, theoretically. So now, end of the statement. Now look at his proof, which is Gavaldic. If the din will be that even ashes, afer, could be used in the procedure of a saita, so why didn't he count this as a fourth case? Right? The Torah says that the coin has to take offer. And halacha, you can take ashes. Says the Gemara, that's not a proof. Why not? Common answer. Whenever a Tano gives a certain number of cases, if he gave all of the cases, he only left out one, well, then the question is, why did he leave out that one? And that somehow proves that that one is not, not meant to be in. But the moment the Tana leaves out more than one example, so you can say, that's not a proof. He left out Saita. He left out other things as well. And therefore, it doesn't matter that he left out others. He just spoke about three, but really there's more. So now the question will be, my Shire, the high Shire. Tell me, what is the other din that he left out? Says, the attempts the Gemara to say, I'll tell you what he left out. Shire Mitzayda. He left out Mitzayda. What's with the Mitzayda? The time we learned in Abraisa. Let's remember this Braisa. When a Mitzayda is cleared by a Kayan, when the Mitzayda is told by the Kayan, whatever the symptoms that caused you to be declared a Mitzayda are gone, even though we see that it's gone, the Kayan has to tell it to him. Oh, from then on, he begins a seven-day procedure of becoming pure. On the first day, the Metzayda has all of his body hair shaven. And then the Torah says, Then on the seventh day, Yigalach, again, he shaves again, He shaves all of his hair. And that's very clear, right? He shaves all of his hair. The Torah didn't stop there. The Torah made this general statement. And now, just speaking it out by heart, and this is important to remember, that throughout Shas, Whenever the Torah 
teaching us a din, writes first the, that halacha in a more general way, and then the trader specifies examples, and then the trader goes back to generalize, so there are two, ve- two ways of viewing this order. One is called klal prat uklal. Most of us should be familiar with it because this is the b'raisa that we say every day before davening. Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shmuel is the one that learns klal uprat uklal, which means generalizations, specifications, and generalizations. And the way it works is that when the trader gave a generalization, and then the trader specified, the specification is defining the general rule. It completely limits it. It defines it. That generalization is not always. It's only in those cases. And then when the trader again gives a generalization. So it broadens it a little bit. Klal, prato klal, will limit it more. It's going to restrict it more towards the prat. Rabakiva and whoever follows that school, they don't use the words klal, prato klal. They use other words which sound the same, but they're not. It's a different system. And it's called ribui, miut, and ribui. And that's going to mean amplification, limitation, Amplification. I know that in English, like in Lashon Kodesh, it more or less means the same thing, but it's not used the same way. If you look at the general, specific general, as a amplification, limitation, amplification, you're going to end up with a much less restrictive outcome. You will include a lot more. Now this price of Rabbi Shmuel is using the Seder of Klal. So Kol Sa'ara is a Klal. Then the Torah goes on, the Torah specifies. Esroi Shoi, he has to shave the hair of the head, the Ezekonoi, and the beard, the Ace Gabois Enov in his eyebrows, and we learned this in Masechtus Nazar, the whole issue, why did the Torah say it? Prat. And then the Torah ends in the same verse. The Es Kol Sa'ara Yigaleach. Again, according to Rabbi Shmuel, it's called a Klal. In other words, you have a klal, uprato klal, a generalization, a specification, and a generalization. And the rule is, so you have to narrow the, 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 the generalization to something which is similar to the specification, which is, just like the examples that the Torah spoke out, hair, beard, and eyebrows, they have two qualities. They are mokim kinuseyer. They are hairs that are gathered in one place, and the nira, they are easily seeable. You see them. When a person stands, you see the hair. You see the hair, you see the beard, you see the eyebrows. So, this comes to include, but again, we're not including everything. We are including only those other hairs on the human body that is like the head, beard, and eyebrows, which have the qualities of and Ma Rabbi, what does this include? So the Gemara says that includes, the Braisa says, Rabbi, Seyor Haraglaim, it comes to include, Seyor Raglaim doesn't mean from the legs, it's partially the way the Talmud speaks in a cleaner language, just to make it clear, it means the pubic hair. It's gathered and it's visible, it's readily visible. My miut, but what is not included? What here, according to this reading, does not need to be shaven by the Mitzrayim? Miut de the armpit hairs, even though they are gathered, they're not, um, let's say, readily vi- visible, because when a person has his hands down, you can't see it. And the hairs on the arms, the hairs on the legs, they're visible, but they're not gathered. 
Okay, so in other words, the Torah, seemingly, if you follow the rules of Klau Luprato Klau, is telling you the only thing the Metzorah has to shave, aside of what was specified, only Seyer Haraglayim. But really, the halacha is Megaleach Kiddalas, that he is shaven like a gourd, which means the Kayan Mamish shaves all of the hair off his body. Ah, so why didn't he mention this case? Again, halacha, oikeves mikra. He didn't mention it. If he didn't mention this, he didn't mention soita. And how do we know that he shaved off all of the body here? Because the Tanan we learned in the Mishnah and the Goyim, that that even the first time, when the Koyin is coming to shave the Metzayda, the Koyin has to do the shaving. Mavir, tar, alkol, psari. And then the Mishnah continues with Tani Seifo, on the seventh day, again, And just like the Rishayna is Kolp so Saray, so, so here now we're back to the Boya. No, there was a question. Does offer include Afer? What was the attempted proof? The attempted proof was it does not. How do we know it's not? Because if offer includes Afer, why didn't Rabbi Yechanan add this as a fourth case? Right? Proof. So now the Gemara says there is no proof. Why is there no proof? Because ton of a shayir, to which the Gemara gives three reasons why Mitzayra should not be considered ton of a shayir. This is Gavaldik. No, don't say the Braisa left out the case of a Mitzayra. Because ki mikra. He only counted cases where the halacha l'moshim Sinai they undermine that which was written. Over here, now, the Yud Gimel Midas is Midoy Raisa. When the Gemara uses the words now, Ha Oikeves Midrabanan, it doesn't mean a rabbinic law. Midrabanan means that you need the Rabbanan to learn Pshat in the Klaal of Prato Klaal for you to come to the conclusion that according to these rules, it should only include Seir HaRaglaim. And here, the Halach HaLemeshim Sinai is adding a lot more. But it's not an explicit undermining. That's reason number one. Why maybe the Braisa, why Rabbi Yechiron did not count the case of Mitzayra. So now we're back to the proof. Rapapa says, Kiko Chashiv, Halacha Ikeves. What did he mean when he said the Halacha undermines? He meant undermines the Oikeves and it uproots. Up, uprooting is like we said, Hashem gave me a mitzvah to cover the blood. According to the words, I need to use earth. If I'm going to use brick, crushed brick, I didn't do the mitzvah. But Halacha says you did the mitzvah. So that's a, that's, a, that's a 180 that goes against what's written. The trader says that if another shaves his hair with a razor, he gets malchus. But if he shaves his hair with scissors, shouldn't get flogged. Halacha says he gets flogged. And the third case was the case of... What was the third case that he mentioned? Nuchevre. Offer a safer that if you write a get, the trader says safer, safer Christus, and you can write it on a leaf. But over here, by the Metzayra, whatever God said to do, you're doing. All of the hair has to be, has to be shaven off. And according to the Klaal Prato Klaal, it's the, it's the head, it's the beard, it's the eyebrows, it's Seir Haraglayim, you're doing that. All the Halacha L'Mashim Sinai does is that it adds to it. But it doesn't change it, it doesn't go against it. So that's another reason why perhaps the Braisa didn't count Metzayra. 
So there's only one thing left, which is the Saita. So we're back to the proof. The fact that the Braisa didn't mention Avirchen, didn't mention Saita, Araya, that Eifer is taken not good. Ravashi gives a third uh, uh, suggestion why Mitzayta is not written and it's Gavaldik. And he says, one second. Yeah, you are quoting Rabbi Shmuel who learns Klal, Uprat, Uklal. And don't forget that who was the one that said that we find in three places, Halachoi Kevus Mikra. Who was it said? By Rabbi Yechanan, in the name of Rabbi Yishmael. But one second, that according to Rabbi Yishmael, who learns Klau Lopratu Klau, he is the one that Taka will hold, that a Mitzayda should only be shaven aside of the specifications, only in Seir Haraglayim. You quoted the Mishnah that says that he's shaven Kidalas. That's not Halacha Lomayshim Sinai. You don't need a halacha for that. That Mishnah is according to Rabbi Kiva, turning to Ahmed. Kidalas, the Mishnah of Dalas is Rabbi Kiva. So according to Rabbi Kiva, it's not halacha changed the written. According to Rabbi Kiva's way of learning, that the Darish riboy umiyute, as we spoke out, whenever you use the rules of amplification, limitation and amplification, you will always restrict less. No, it's the only thing that we exclude, you will see here, are the hairs in the nose that, that a Mitzvah doesn't have to have shaven. But everything else, Mikra, needs to be shaven. Old across the whole title. Let's word it like this. According to Rabbi Shmuel, correct, very good. The Gemara is suggesting, how do you know? Yeah, Rabbi Shmuel learns Klau Prato Klau. How do you know that he shaves more than just the Seir Araglaim? Because it's said in the Mishnah. The Mishnah goes according to Rabbi Kiva. The Tanya, as we learned, and now we're quoting a Braise that quotes the same Pasik, Ladas Rabakiva. That's an amplification. The here, the beard and the eyebrows is a myth, is a limitation. And then, again, So, what do we have according to Rabakiva? The words are Riba, Mi'at, Riba. And the end result will always be according to Rabakiva that many more things are included. You exclude much less. Riba hakoil. The Torah taka means that a Mitzvah has to have all of his hair shaven. Mighty beri the koligufai. Mamiet I. Why did the Torah give specifications, or why did the Torah give limitations to limit one case? Miet seir It only excludes that the hair in the nose. Imagine, doesn't have to be shaven by the Mitzvah, and that is mikra. Now, if when you learn the Gemara. So where are we up to? We, don't, we had a proof. The fact that Rabbi Yechanan, Mishum Rabbi Yishmael, did not say Efer by Saita means Efer cannot be used. That was a proof. They attempted to take away the proof by saying he left out Mitzayda. He left out other things. The Gemara just gave three reasons explaining why Mitzayda is not counted. So L'Chaira were left with a proof. And strangely, the Gemara says, by so what's the answer? It's one of those gemaras that it doesn't fit if you're following the back and forth. We just came to the answer. Why are we back to the question? Look inside the top toysus. It's a short toysus. Tema, my kaboy, what's the question? Kivan the lafshi Now we gave three reasons why leaving out the mitzayda, mitzayda is not called something that was left out. Imkain, the only thing that, that might be on the table is saita. And if taka afer is acceptable, so then he should have counted four things. So Teisvah says that all of the three answers are not that good. 
They are inconclusive. And going back to what you asked, Danny, in other words, how do you know that according to Rabbi Yishmael, you don't shave him kidalas? You're telling me that it's only according to Rabbi Kiva, or the yeah, or the nisht. It could be that even according to Rabbi Shmuel that learns klal or prato klal, maybe he also will agree with the din that the mitzvah de facto is shaving kidalas. Why? Halacha l'meishem is sinai, and halacha ikevus mikra. And Tosfos doesn't go into the other side to each of the three responses, but let's word it in the other way. The very fact that you need to have three reasons why the mitzvah is not considered the shiur, that proves that one was not enough. Each one has a problem. So now, if that's the case, if Mitzayda might have been included and it's not, so therefore there's no proof by the fact that the Saita was not. So my Havalom, Tashima, answers the Gemara, so we are proving from an Amoidom. And we will first learn the Gemara the way Rashi reads it, which is very important. And Rav says, Ein Sham offer. If you don't find earth, maybe. Rakbuvis yerek, you bring the dust of a decayed vegetable. Now don't forget that a vegetable, mamish, comes from the earth. So a, the dust of a decayed vegetable is taka very earthy. Umekadesh, and you sanctify it by putting it on the ground. Take out the words velohi. If you look inside Rashi, on the fourth line from the top of the Amid, the last wide line, Rashi takes out these words. And the Gemara is proving from over here, the fact that Rav needed to say that the dust of a decayed vegetable, oh, that's good. That means only that's good. However, but, but dust is not considered earth. And again, this fits with the way we were learning the whole sugya. The fact that Raf said the words umekadesh, which means you have to put it on the ground, which means he's following the first b'raisa, as we spoke out, if the first b'raisa is the main interpretation of Bakar Mishkan, that will rule out Eifer. Eifer can only be included if you don't have to put it on the ground. That is Girsas Rashi, the Tois Vishans on the right side, disagrees because he had in his version the words Veloihi, and actually, the Tres Vishan said that the Gemara remains without a conclusion. It's not clear. Because maybe, listen, maybe just like you can put the vegetable dust, you can put ashes. Maybe not. So we're back to the question. I just want to speak out the following, that in Hasidus, and we just had this recently in Chitas, in Egeres HaKodesh Tezvav, the whole beginning of the Egeres, with a great length, the Altarebbe is explaining why, what is the meaning of Avram Avinu's statement, when he was asking Hashem to spare the cities of Sodom and Amorah because of the tzaddikim, and Avram Avinu tells Hashem, I am ashes and dust. Avram Avinu put those two words together. And al Rebbe gives a beer that even though Avram Avinu here was a Merkava to God, imagine to godliness, nevertheless, Avram Avinu was acknowledging that the level of his neshama, as it is enclosed in his body, is like ashes and dust, in comparison to his neshama, as it is in its source in Atzilus. And ashes and dust explains the Alter Rebbe that everything is a composite in the physical world. Of Eish, Ruach, Maimon, Afar. And when you burn a piece of wood and you end up with ashes, why do you end up with ashes? So the Alter Rebbe explains that what happened when you put fire to wood, the other three of the elements aside of the Afar is taken away. The Eish, Ruach, Maim go away with the smoke, with the fire. But what remains is the fourth element, which is earth, afar. And that afar is the afar. And just like when you look at ashes from a tree, and you look at the tree, one is infinitely 
lower than the other. That is what Avram Avinu was telling, was acknowledging that his level of Avas Hashem as he was living, Neshama Beguv, is offer of Eifer in comparison to his Neshama Natsilus. But over there, Fakert, we see that Eifer is offer. Eifer, ashes, is offer when offer was drained from the other three elements. And according to that, maybe Eifer and offer, Eifer should be just as good as offer. Anyways, weiter. And then the Mishnah said that when you put the, the, the offer on the water, it should be enough, it should be visible on the water. There are three dinim where things need to be put on water and they need to be visible. Number one is the case of offer saita, as we just learned. You have to put enough earth that it should be visible. Number two is afer para, that when you take the mayim chayim, right, and you take the ashes of the paraduma, there also, it has to be visible on the water. And number three, that when the Yavama is removing the shoe from her Yavam, and aside of the declarations of the Psukim that go back and forth, the trader says that she has to spit in his direction, and the judges have to be able to see her spittle. Now, these three is unquestionable. Adding to the three, Mishum Rabbi Shmuel Amru, he added the fourth case. What's the fourth case? Dam Tzipar. What's Dam Tzipar? Also, Nazar. What did we learn? Remember that Gemara? Chamesh Sumkan, Chamesh Chivara. What were the Chamesh Chivara? That there were five dinam of white, white liquid, oil, or water. One of the dinam of the water is, is that, again, back to the Metzayah, that the first day of the seventh day, by the Metzayah, aside of him shaving all of his hair, he needed to take two birds. And like we spoke out, the eight Eres, the Shnei Toilas and the Ezoif. One of the birds were slaughtered on top of water. And then the Torah says, they took the living bird with the cedar wood, with the red string, with the hisap, with the Ezoif, and they dipped it. And there the Torah says that they dipped it in the blood and they dipped it in the water. The Torah mentions both. So we see from over here that we want that when the blood of the bird that was slaughtered falls into the water, if there's going to be a very large amount of water, the water is going to dilute the blood. Now blood will make the water red, but it's not going to look like blood. It's going to look like red water. On the other hand, you don't want to have too little water. If there'll be too little water, you're not going to notice that there's any water. So what amount that you need to have in that cup, you need to have exactly one revius of a leg of mayim, and that is the shear that when you shecht a bird in that water, it's going to be that perfect amount that it's going to be blood. You're going to see that it's blood, but you're also going to see that it's water. So blood on the water. Now the fact that the Tanakama did not mention it is because the Tanakama holds that you don't need to have only Ereviyas of Mayim. Even if you have a lot more water, which means the water is going to dilute the blood, doesn't matter. So now we're going to go back and forth. What's the root of their argument? My time at Rabbi Shmuel, because it says, that these four ingredients, which is the living bird, the eights, eres, the shnitoilas, and the azoif, are dunked into bedam, hatsipar, hashchuta. Look at the words. Bedam, hatsipar, hashchuta, al hamayim achayim. Imagine, both. And Vatanya, we learned in Abraisa that this pasuk seems to contradict itself. Because is it in the blood or is it in the water? The Torah begins, So, 
Maybe you have to dip it somewhere only in the blood. But the Torah says, Al Hamayim Hachayim. On the other hand, if, so then you have to dip it into the water. Iba Mayim, you would think only in water, not in the blood. So the Torah also says, Bedam. Haketzat. So the solution is, Maybe Mayim, you have to bring water. Shedam Tzipor Nikar Bahem. That the blood is still discernible. Not red. Not dyed with blood. But there's discernible blood. The common, how much water will that be? Ereviis. More than Ereviis of water will dilute the water, dilute the blood. Less than Ereviis, you won't even notice that there's water there. That's the share. Oh, so that's good. So why did the Rabbanan disagree? Why did the Rabbanan hold it does not need to be discernible? You can have even more than a Revius of Mayim. Answers the Rabbanan, explain the Rabbanan, Ahule Gufei, that Pasig was needed for its literal meaning. In other words, explains the Rabbanan. The trade is telling you, dip it into blood and water. Not discernible. It has to be a mixture of blood and water. I don't care how much water there is. But Rabbi Shmuel, he says, no. In Cain, if the Torah only wants to tell you that you have to dip it into blood and water, the Torah should have written V'tav al-Bohem. Because the Torah already mentioned that the first bird is slaughtered on the water. So we know that there's blood in the water. So why did the Torah have to add the words Badam? Why did the Torah have to add the words Bamayim? Lamali, it must be Lenikar, because the blood has to be discernible. However, the Chachamim disagree, and they say, If the Torah only would have written V'tavol Bohem, I might have mistakenly thought, that even if you have to do it consecutively, but you can have blood, and you can have water, and you dip those four, the living bird, the eight Eres, the Shnitelas, the Ezoif, in the blood, and then in the water. So the Torah said, to make sure that they're mixed together. Says Rabbi Yishmael, that doesn't make sense. If the Torah is only trying to tell you that they have to be mixed together, I already know that from the previous Pasuk. The Torah says, Vishachat ha'achas el klicheres al chayim. The Torah says, slaughter the first bird right in an earthen utensil on the spring water, on the living waters. So they are together. So the Rabbanon say, no. If the Torah only would have written that, I might have mistakenly thought that the Torah says you have to slaughter it on top of a cup of water. But who says that the blood has to go into the water? And you ask any shaykhat. You know, the expert shaykhatim can shaykhat, especially an animal, without cutting a vein. And even though by a bird it's impossible, but you can squeeze the veins... You can shech the bird and, and, and not allow the blood to go out. It's possible. Maybe the Torah meant lishchetei samuch lamana. Samuch means not near. Here samuch means over. But maybe it would be acceptable v'nin ketino liveridin for you to pinch the blood vessels and and only to accept the blood to receive the blood after you went away from the water b'mana achrina on another utensil. So the Torah therefore had to say here simply for it, that it should be mixed together. That's the machlekes between Rabbi Shmuel and the Chachamim. Moving on with the Gemara. Says the Gemara boy, according to Rabbi Shmuel, the whole point of a devious of Mayim is for the blood to be discernible. So these are the typical questions that one can challenge all of the shiurim that we have in the Torah. You know, you're satisfied with the Kazayas, Yeah. What about the guy who's five feet tall and Oigmal Chaboshan? They're equally satisfied. We have these questions. So he says, one second, what about the bird? Gedoyla, what's going to happen if the bird is very large? 
Then, it's going to overwhelm. It's going, you won't even notice that there's water. Or on the other hand, if the bird is going to be ketana, there'll be so little blood that even if you have a revias of mayim, but it's going to be overwhelmed by the water. So what are you telling me? It's about discernible and you're giving me a shear? So Amalei, to which Rabzeda responded, didn't I already tell you? Don't take yourself outside the framework of halacha. In other words, these sorts of questions, they challenge all of the halachas of shiurim. As if the only solution is never give a shir. And then you're good. And then, and then everything becomes, you know, wishy-washy. It can be like this, it can be like that, and there's no, and there's no a limit to that. And actually, aside of the fact that once the Chachamim gave a shir, you stick to the shir, right? That mitzvah is bar mitzvah. But more than that, it actually makes sense over here. Because since the bird that is used is called a tzipur deroir, Dig Machlaikas of Tzipur Droir is a, is a certain type of bird, or does the word Droir mean free, as we find by Yoival? And it refers to any small bird that is constantly free flying around. You know, heavy, large birds cannot fly freely, especially if they are in a home. The little birds that people have as pets, they don't need any, they take off, they land there. So that's a Tzipur Droir. A Tzipur Droir, the Chachamim estimated that that in that type of tzipar darar, the largest bird will not have enough blood to overwhelm the water, and there will not be such a little bird that its blood will be diluted in only Erevias of Mayim, so actually that share functions perfectly. Continues the Gemara. If the Kayin, instead of first filling the cup, Right, the pialecheres with water, and then putting in the offer as the Torah says. But if first he put the earth, and then he put the water, puzzle. Why is it puzzle? So look in Rashi. I just want to make an interesting Rashi. Rashi is probably mamish in middle of the Amid. He's like five lines under the end of the Bach. At the end of the line, let's read together. Higdim offer lamaim beside the puzzle. Why? Because since kiddushiv it says v'nasan el hamayim put the earth in the water. So you see al lamaim beresha. And then since by soit it says v'asa lo hakoyin as kol hatayra hazois debeinon keseder hakosov beparshem. The fact that the Torah concludes that the koyin did what it says in this Torah, he has to follow the order. And the Torah says earth. In the water. Now, this Rashi, just Lahair, that the first Taisvis in this Padek, which was, I think, on Dafyu Dalit, pointed out, made a beautiful observation that the order of the Psukim and the order of the Mishnayas are not the same. Ayin in the first Taisvis to see the differences. And it's even, that's a big issue, because especially according to Rashi, is pointing out that especially by Saita, you have to follow the order. So, so why didn't the Mishnah follow the order of? The Pasik, oh, or like Tracefus points out in the beginning, halachically, do you follow the Seder of the Pasik or do you follow the Seder of the Mishnah? But coming back to this Braisa, the Braisa here is telling you, Tanakama holds earth, water, not good. Rabshimin is Machshir. I, you gotta follow the order. So my Tamadir Rabshimin, because since it says, now we're going back to Para Aduma, Gavaldik, that the Lokhulitame, me afar Srefas Achatos. Right, we just had this in Amad Aleph. And again, really, by the red heifer, the word should have been with an Aleph, right? That the Kayin takes the ashes of the burnt chatos, of the burnt paraduma. The Torah says, Ma'afar, 
And v'tanya amen ab shimen v'chi offer who v'haloye for who. And she in hakasa v'mishmai. The reason why the Torah used the words offer ladun heimenu gzedes shava to learn gzedes shava between the paraduma. And the Saita. Nemarkan, it says by the Paraduma offer. Evanemalahalan by the Saita offer. Malahalan by the Saita offer Al Gabi Hamayim. And we're going to learn, as we'll see in a moment, it for sure means that preferably, Lechatchila, the earth has to go in the water. I'm saying the word preferably because of what we're going to learn in a few lines. Afkan by the Paraduma offer Al Gabi Hamayim, the ashes. Should go in the water. Now, one second. It's clear that Higdim offered Lamaim Kosher. If by the Paraduma, first they put the ashes and then the water, it's going to be good. If Higdim offered Lamaim Kosher. Now, says the Gemara, how do you know by the Paraduma you can put the ashes and then the water? Because since there are two Psukim that are written, it says like this it says, so it says, olav, olav means you put it on the ashes, right? If you put on it the ashes, that means ashes first and then the water. And in that same Pasuk, it ends, goes into the keli, like Rashi says. Not into the keli and the ashes, it goes into the keli, and then you put the ashes in. So, Alma, Maimbereisha. Hokeit said, how can you reconcile it? It must mean Ratzazanoisen, Ratzazanoisen. If not for the Gzeirah Shava, when you look at the, at the Pasik and Paraduma, there is an inherent contradiction in the Pasik which leads us to understand, without the Gzeirah Shava, that by Paraduma we do not care which one comes first. Water is good, ashes are good first, as long as at the end you have both. But now that you have the Gzeirah Shava, and in Saita we agree. The Seder in Saita is water first, the earth later. So what does the Gzeda Shava tell you? That each one, you bring each one closer to the other. That by Paraduma, there also Lachatchila, we want us to put the water first. But on the other hand, by the Saita, Bidiyeved, if you put the earth in first, like by Paraduma, then Bidiyeved is going to be good as long as you put water on top of it. Virabanan. Drabanan, who hold in that puzzle, they tell you that you can't say that there's a contradiction in the verse, and therefore, you know what the contradiction is resolved? God didn't mean this and he didn't mean that. Do it any way you want. Can't be that way. It must be that in the parsha of Chukas by Paraduma, one of the statements are dafka. And which one is dafka? El Kelly. Water has to go into the utensil. Dafka. I, the Torah, added the word olav. Olav only means la'arvan. La'arvan means that after you put the ashes in, you want the ashes to get mixed. It shouldn't only remain on the top. It should be enough that some of it should go in and it should get mixed. Says the Gemara, one second. Okay, I accept that you can't say there's a contradiction and therefore God men do it any way you want. One of them are dafka. But why are you suggesting that the water in the keli first is dafka? Maybe all of dafka. Maybe the opposite. The ashes have to go first. I, why did the Torah say the words El Kali? Maybe it means to teach you, as Rashi explains. Maybe the Torah is telling you that when you get the spring water into the cup, it has to go straight from the spring into the cup. And not, I can take out water from another cup from the spring and then put it into the vial of the Paraduma. That you can't do. Why don't we interpret that Pasuk to be teaching us that that you can't do? 
Maybe that's what the Torah means. It has to go straight from the Maim Chaim into the Kelly. Answers the Gemara. I'll tell you why I'll, I think it makes sense to say that water has to go in first. And only afterwards can you put on the ashes. Why? We're going to call the ashes are called a machsher. Whenever something needs to happen, and it needs to happen by doing various steps, the final concluding step is called the machsher. The one that makes it work. And the rule in halacha is that the machsher always is put on the top. That since whenever there is a machsher, the din will be, the machsher goes on top. Here also, the machsher has to go on top. Says Rashi, for example, in the second line, in the second line to the bottom, the, the dam tzipper, right? The, by the dam tzipper, clear the Torah says, the coin shechs, the first bird, on the water. Only now is the water kosher to be used to be sprinkled on the mitzvah. So first the water, then the blood. No, it's the final step is on top. The final step, which is the offer, which has to be visible on top. So it should go on last. So first you put in the water, and then you put in the ashes. Emirates Hashem to be continued.